Welcome to Sweet But Salty, the Blitz Podcast. <laughs> well, it certainly doesn't sound like the Bliss Point of Podcast when I say it that way. I tried my very best. I have a sore throat, and this type of intro was requested by a very good friend of mine. Shout out to you. So I just had to take the opportunity to record this type of intro with this strange voice that I have right now. But um, the rest of this episode was recorded at a different time. <laughs> have fun. Copycat, China, come on, Watch your back when you can watch mine. Copycat, try to my glamour. Why so sad when you can have mine? Hmm. I don't know why I felt inclined to sing this Billie Eilish song, but maybe you'll find out if you keep listening to this episode. <laughs> Welcome to an episode of Sweet But Salty, the bliss point of podcasts on this beautiful... What day is it today? <laughs> Literally every day feels the same. I don't know if you can relate. Probably. <sighs> But I just have to remind myself of what day it is. And I'd say 70% of the time I succeed in doing so. But I thought, what's better than to give you... An exclusive throwback to the good old times when I studied design. I always wanted to study art, but I didn't get into art school. <laughs> And after studying publishing for one semester right after I graduated from high school, I found this little design academy in my city that I had never heard of. It was literally one week before the new semester started. So I shot them an email and everything went super fast. I had a meeting and a portfolio review with a director who looked at my work and said, no wonder art school didn't take you with this stuff. You can't get in. <laughs> But he also said that he sees some potential and would put in a good word for me when they had their staff meeting in order to decide which students would get in. Yeah, so I got in, and two weeks later, I was a design student visiting my first design lecture, and believe it or not, that was back in spring 2014. <laughs> I'm so old. I feel so old when I say this. That was seven years ago. I can't believe it. Wow. Okay, well, I could tell you about all the things we learned in those lectures, but I won't. <laughs> Instead, I'll tell you about what I recall when I think back of that time. I think of a lot of presentations, deadlines all the time, investing all of the money I made for my student job straight into tuition and production costs for all of my projects that needed to be printed and so on. And I recall a lot of frustration. Obviously, there was also a good side to everything, and the really, really positive part was that our semester in particular consisted of only 12 people, I think. And that allowed for very individual work and discussions, and it also made it easier to make friends. And that was straight out the best part of all of this. We were a group of four people, and we were the cool kids, I assure you. <laughs> I mean, we were the cool kids quite literally because that's how we called ourselves. 
and we even have an Insta account and a tiny YouTube channel with one video <laughs> there because we had this incredible idea, which I am still a fan of, to start a YouTube channel, an art design school YouTube channel where we would create stereotypical sketches and stuff like that, but it never happened, unfortunately. And the only footage we had... I remember that we met up once and shot a lot of incredibly stupid skits. And unfortunately, all of that footage got lost and we never got to look at it again. What a bummer. But still, <laughs> super fun part of that whole experience. But other than the things we did in our free time that were always incredibly funny and exciting, we didn't have a lot of fun but we had a little bit of fun and this is probably the only funny story i remember from four years of studying design wow <laughs> but um it's in this episode description so i'm gonna deliver yeah during the first three semesters we had regular figure drawing classes where models would come in undressed completely and we would get to draw them Looking back, it's like insanity for a 19-year-old to look at, you know, men who are like, I don't know, 50-plus years old who have fun posing for people naked. <sighs> I don't know, it's absurd, but still. <laughs> you learn some things about anatomy, at least. But yeah, so one evening, because it was always in the evening, I think we always had that class like every two weeks for three hours or something. It was quite intense. But yeah, so it was one evening and this older guy was our model. He was like maybe in his late 50s, you know, white hair, quite thin at least. And he had a lot of fun posing. Crazy. So much fun. So our professor gave him a prop at some point, which was a red wooden chair. So he set up this chair in the middle of the stage that he was posing on and then tried a few different poses. In one of those poses, he basically ended up laying down on the floor on his back, putting his calves on top of the chair. So the chair was basically facing forward. And if you stood in front of the stage, you would see the model from the side. So he laid on his back, his knees were bent in a 90 degree angle and his calves rested on top of the chair. And now if you stood in front of this stage, you got that, you know, crazy zigzag line, which was kind of, let's say, aesthetically interesting. But the thing was, we were too many people, we were too many students. So we obviously were not all in front of the stage. So we ended up arranging ourselves in a semi-circle. Now, that means that there were people at the very rim of that circle. And if you ended up standing at the end of that semi-circle on the right side, you were facing that guy's head straight on. So you saw his head, you saw a little bit of the chair... Now imagine you stand at the other side. So you are facing that guy from a very different angle. 
and you're getting very deep insights into body parts that are exposed to you without your consent and you have to draw that guy. Me and my friend were located at the left end of that semicircle. So we had that view exactly. And we were two 19-year-olds who had not asked a mid-50-year-old guy to show us his assets. And we had also not asked to draw that man in that position, or at all, for that matter. But we did it. <laughs> but me and my friend just looked at each other. and I think we thought the same. We were like, don't laugh. We are two adults. We can handle this. <laughs> we are professionals. Yeah, we were super professional. And I think the professor, you know, she walked around, looked at the drawings regularly. And I think at some point she said, well, you know, you can change locations. It's not that flattering. And we were like, mm -hmm, okay. <laughs> Now, I hope I described that <laughs> in a way that you could imagine how he laid there and where I was located. I laughed my ass off later on and I still laugh telling the story to people. <sighs> yeah. To be honest, studying design just got on my nerves over time. And that was potentially due to the fact that I also started studying psychology at the same time. Looking back, I don't even know how I managed to study both courses full time while working at the side. And I mean... I don't think any of us are surprised at this point that that basically ended up giving me burnout a couple of years down the line. But I mean, that's a whole different story <laughs> that I won't get into at this point. However, we obviously had projects to work on, usually two per semester, but also theoretical classes like sociology or design history. And I'm not getting into detail on what we talked about in those, but in a nutshell, A lot of Michel Foucault, <laughs> the philosopher, quite some left-winged ideas that were thrown around and very abstract concepts some professors came up with themselves. And now you wonder, was it worth all the time and money? Probably not. Was it something that had a profound impact on me? Maybe. Was it a free and different concept of education? that allowed for artistic freedom? Yes. You may be wondering, what exactly do you learn as a designer? And basically, the only thing you can learn is design methodology. And that is pretty easy. You can get that down in literally one to two semesters. And by the time you've done your pre-exam, in my case, that was after three semesters, you will have totally understood it. And From there on, it's just experimenting, observing, and practicing. And basically, design is about understanding the subjects that you are supposed to work with or on. And you start analyzing it from every possible angle. You break it down, basically. And when you have all these parts put in front of you, you look at what it is that speaks to the briefing or your vision, depending on how much freedom you have in the process of creating. You look at the things that are the most, let's say, valuable or exciting that kind of offer the most visual potential 
to be transformed into something different. And I cannot really describe it easily. I think design is really about understanding a topic as a whole and then giving it kind of your own twist in translating the most important factors, so to say, into something new. And something that fits the briefing, for example. I mean, if the end goal is creating posters, then that's just something you have to keep in mind usually. But I have to say that we had quite some freedom to experiment during the time I studied. And as I said, you know, once you have the basics down, it's just experimenting, observing, and practicing from there on. And each project and topic is different. But I think it's important to find a general approach that works for you. And mine is very much conceptual. I like to break things down and analyze them thoroughly. I let everything sink in and come up with a creative design concept that I then execute. And you could also work the other way around. So you could start by experimenting visually just in order to see what you come up with. And then you try to apply that To your project so it's kind of reverse engineering and it's pretty interesting because both strategies are absolutely valid and in the end it's just about creating that quote-unquote perfect end result that is going to touch people that is going to turn heads but also kind of stand for you because i think it's important to kind of have your own language so to say as a designer i think It's easy to copy from others. It's easy to follow trends. They are quite obvious. A couple of years back, this distorted 90s typography trend emerged and people just jumped on that train like crazy without really understanding what was behind it. And so it's easy to jump on those trends and to make things look fresh and cool and kind of up to date. But I think that trends only last so long. And if you look at things that you created, let's say, two years ago, they go out of style quickly. And I think it's really, really important to kind of be original and to give things your own twist. And I can assure you that one thing that led to a lot of frustration, not just for me, but for a couple of people while we studied was actually, and this is the reason I sang this Billie Eilish song at the beginning, It was actually that copycatting was kind of a common thing. You know, people would see someone do something they liked and then just did the same thing for their project. And that happened more than once. And to be quite honest, it were usually the same people who did it over and over again. And sometimes really like blatantly obvious to the point that you would say it's literally stolen. They could not just say it's inspired by somebody else. No, it's the same concept, the same project, probably with a different, let's say, content backbone and in different colors, but literally the same thing. That's something I'm allergic to. I hate it. And I don't hate many things, but I hate when people steal creative ideas from other people. Now, the crazy part is that this behavior was actually tolerated and to a certain degree also supported by the lecturers because some of them said, look at work from this designer 
and try to copy it in your way. That was literally one of the recommendations. I think you'll learn something from doing that, from kind of rebuilding existing work that is of high value. But I think it's kind of the wrong way to approach this. I don't think you have to copy it. I think you can just observe everything that's out there and maybe incorporate parts of it into your work as well. But copying a whole thing or the same concept, that's pathetic. And I'm not a fan of that. Because it's always different when you create from your heart and when you create from the depths of you and when you create something that is so you and that is so your style and you feel it, you are it basically. And then somebody goes along and takes that and turns it into mush on their part. And now I'm being a little mean and pissed, <laughs> but it's it's frustrating. And I mean, you can't be purely original. We all live in a world that is so full of so many ideas. It's hard to come up with something that is incredibly new. But call me crazy or overly idealistic, but I still believe that originality is possible after all. And I think in order to be really, really original, you have to become yourself and you have to kind of develop your personality to the point that everything else you're doing kind of ties into that and ties into who you really are. And then whatever you create is going to be original because it's linked to you as a personality that only exists once in this world at one single moment in time. And yeah, so in order to end this episode, what can I say? Whatever you're doing in your life, if you're pursuing something creative or not, be authentic, be original, believe in yourself and what you do. I say it all the time and I stand behind it. Quality will always win and it will beat all those who copy and steal because real creators will always prevail and not those who look to others all the time. So lead with your state and with your ideas and just keep going. <laughs>